the lack of heroes in these comics makes these comics, comics, comics. <laughs> That's it? That's the opening right there. Cue the music. <laughs> What's up, everybody, and welcome back to List This, where we list and you listen. I'm Josh, and as always, I'm joined by... Cameron. And Jim. And this week, we're going to be listing our top five non-hero or non-superhero comics. And by that, we just mean that we're just... We're avoiding like your basic like men in tights with underwear on the outside yeah. type of heroes. Not your Justice League. But Marvel, yeah, we're like avoiding Avengers. people that were bitten by a radioactive spider <laughs> yeah. and then swing around through webs on their wrists yeah. and people dressed like a bat because his parents were murdered. <laughs> And never die, but when they do die, they come back somehow. Yeah. Except for oh, some. Yeah. Some die for a fair amount of time, though. <laughs> I want to bring up that Flash died for a literal 40 years, okay? Like, in actual time. That's fair. Just to yeah. be fair. All right. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, but I mean, yeah. We're avoiding yeah. we're avoiding the tropiest yeah. of yeah. comic book yeah. stories. Like, the reason why people often say comics aren't literature, which is still something that's dumbfounding to me. But, whatever. I think I've got so, a few on my list that proves that wrong. I hope for, so. For me, personally, mine are going to be more, like, top five graphic novels, if you will, yeah. than, like, comics. Well, and a lot of people, like, they ask, like, what's the difference between a graphic novel Mate. and a comic book? Like, Jim asked that. <laughs> and, and, like... Well, in like a lot of like I've heard like the older adults that are like, oh, sorry, I'll call it a graphic novel and not a comic book. Like they're actually the same thing. Okay, it's just boomer. A comic book, exactly right. <laughs> Thank you. Like the, a comic book is just it's just the individual issue, whereas the graphic novel is it tends the to be either a graphic novel or the compilation. Yeah. You can call yeah. it either thing. I use them interchangeably. Not everyone uses them interchangeably. Yeah. There are people that are like, no, it has to be released only as the novel to be the graphic novel. But that's. That's fine. Yeah. It, either way, it works. It's, it's I mean, if you have issues one through eight and you smash them together, you, you have, 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 have a graphic <laughs> novel, or you have a compilation, or you have a trade paperback. Whichever yeah. one you want to go yeah. with, it doesn't matter. You probably matter. just spent more money on it because you bought right. them individually. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Number five. Nice. Uh, let's jump into this. Cameron, you want to kick us off this week for your... Uh, yeah, sure. I'll five. do that. So I said going into this that I had a lot of trouble creating a list. Uh, I could create... I could create seven lists. I could probably create ten lists. I could create a lot. Um, I've read a lot. In this last week, I've read a ton. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with some that I just already knew that I loved, and I'm going to start out with one of my favorites from one of my favorite writers, Witches, from Scott Snyder. Um, Witches, for me, is a it's a mixture of everything that I love about comic books when you're looking at them as literature, which is it's a mixture of great writing, uh, great story detail, and great art. And art that really brings out the story, I think, and kind of it it brings it out in a way where I think the story comes off creepier or at least like down the rabbit hole stranger than what it would be just written down in word. Um, for people that don't know, witches is about uh, essentially witches, but that <laughs> these really creepy monster <laughs> variations that live in trees and they have their homes like deep underneath the ground, which it kind of is actually like a throwback to um, like the old, I think it's Germanic, like the old idea of what the tooth fairy is um, and how they live in like these caves deep, deep underneath the ground. Uh, but it, it's kind of a play on that. And it was, Scott Snyder wrote it and it's based off of his childhood. They used to go play in like the woods and I used to do the same thing. So it kind of resonated with me in that way. And it's just about this family just being kind of like 
brutally attacked in a mindset of whether or not they're actually being like followed by these witches and i think that's what got to me the most is i didn't personally feel scared by it but to me that's not always what a good horror does it i felt terrified for them and i didn't want anything to happen to them so the whole time i'm sitting here like i've got to get through this i've got to get through this because i don't I don't i want to know what happens like i, I don't want anyone to die yeah. i'm gonna feel really sad if he does this um there's only one volume of it right now he is going to do another one eventually he's also very very busy working on everything for dc like everything from (laughs) justice league to batman to he's done swamp thing it's i mean he's done a ton but witches is i think a great horror comic for anyone that's looking to not do superheroes at all and look for something a little more grounded or even stephen king ish in a way it is it is very uh bizarre it's yeah. a very bizarre comic. Oh, yeah. Uh, I read our novel or graphic novel or whatever. Same uh, difference. I read through it. Uh, it didn't make my list. There's other stuff that I read after, which is that um, I liked, I enjoyed more. It was more on my alley. Uh, but I enjoyed it. It did give me a sense of anxiety reading through the comic. Yeah. Um, especially towards, like, the end. Yeah. You it, start to get, you have like these like false endings and stuff and you, it's just. Oh like, yeah. It's it, it's just, it's twists and turns and it feels real and like you know it's not like, but it yeah. feels like something where if you're out in the middle of the woods by yourself, mm-hmm. like you could see those images start to come back and Jock is the person who did the art. I feel like comic books is always great to bring up the artists because they're just as much, you know, they're just as important as the writer is and he does a great job of that like ethereal horror it's just really creepy and like even like the splattering of like images on the page it's really interesting it's it's kind of like a jackson pollock in a way but like a horror jackson pollock comic it's fascinating but i love it yeah that's one that's on my list um to read if i ever decide to pick it up from the library here um it's available it's good Yeah. yeah so this is the art I'm showing Jim. We'll probably yeah, put I haven't actually had a chance to see like the art selling. I do it's actually crazy. really like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that a lot. There's a lot of like monochromatic with like some red, like certain colors stand out. Well, in like almost like I said, like it's a Jackson Pollocky type of like paint splatter, but it almost brings it out in like a like a sun flare, but in the middle of the night half the time. Yeah, and it's just fascinating the way huh. they do it. It makes you feel so uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Mine is going to be one I actually finished reading today um and i kind of had to hustle through it to get to be able to put it on this list because I, I liked it and i wanted to be able to finish this first uh volume of it but it's uh low which is i know right. one that you recommended yes. to me yeah so low oh, um comic book by rick remender and greg uh tocini um if, for nobody that like anybody who doesn't know about it basically human race fled the 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 surface of the earth because the expanding sun this is like way way in the future and oh, yeah. they're at the the bottom of the ocean uh, essentially in like these capsule like you know capsulated cities and stuff like that um hunting like these massive like I, I can't remember what they call them exactly but these massive like sea creatures yeah um they get family gets separated and partially killed by another like savage more savage like uh dome living like folk uh-huh, i yeah. guess it's um, like a class type of thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so they're they're like you know they're, they're that type of deal and they send out a probe a while back to see if there's any other planets that are inhabited by them. Um, but, so, I mean, it, it kind of adds this, like, feel of being, like, under, because you're underwater. Like, the, the, like oh, yeah. most of the time that you're, re- like, all the time that you're reading this, this first volume, at least, it's all underwater. So there's that fear that I know brings in a lot of people, are like, that uncomfortable feeling of, yeah. like, of being stuck underwater. But um, it's really cool. I really do want to keep watching it. The the struggle that I had with it, though, which is the reason why it's on my number five, is because I 
oftentimes had trouble telling what was going on. That's as far fair. as like looking at the pictures and yeah. stuff. Like looking at the actual art style, it's cool, but it's hard to tell what's going on sometimes. So Greg Tuccini... Like the if, story is what really got me, though. Which hopefully we're saying that name right. But he, he does a great job with the art, and it definitely feels like it works with the story, but there are times where it's like very confusing. It's like yeah, a collage you don't, you don't of like know what lines, and you, you have don't no know idea what's quite going know on. what you're looking at, like yeah. the suit. That they have, yeah. like, the, the I, I, I haven't been able to get a grasp on what the suit really looks like. It's that, like, simplistic style of art where you're looking at a lot of, like, shapes coming together yeah. and you're not looking at so much fine detail. Um, this story is crazy, though, because there's, there's things that, like, and I, I don't want to spoil the end of the first volume at all, but I was not expecting the end of the first volume at all. The, the, the ending is just, it's something that that kind of comes out of nowhere and but at the same time like it makes sense with the story and it's one of those that is so unpredictable that you you feel like you just never know what's going to happen afterwards and i kind of feel yeah. like that already and then they just hit you with it yeah it, it's I, crazy it was the the ending of the, the first one like in it like i said the story really grasped me oh, yeah. and like i really do want to keep reading it on because it's so good i, yeah. I want to see what happens with this family now like, oh yeah you know, I, so. and i love rick remender he's done um uncanny x-force he's done venom for like the mo- uh, more well-known America too. He's, he's done Captain America. America. He's done a thing called Black Science, which I still haven't had the chance to read, unfortunately. Um, he's he's just a great writer. He's really good at being like witty, but also really dark in like how yeah. he writes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and his Venom runs is one of the best runs out there. I'm gonna dive over to my number five because I want to stay on that topic because my graphic novel is also by Rick Remender. Okay. And this is gonna be the one that I told you you're gonna be very excited. I don't know if you've read it or not. It's called Death or Glory. Death or Glory. Um, so Rick Remender teamed up with Bingle, who is a French artist. I okay. guess he's very well known. Um, this Whoa. novel is basically, it's a heist novel. And what it is, is there's this woman named Glory whose father is dying of cancer. And she decides to go, she has like, I think it's, four days to pull off three heists across the country. And she's going, and then her, like, uh, ex-husband is, like, a crazy mob leader or something like that. And it's just, it's really it's really crazy. The um, the cover of the, the first issue grabbed me because it's her on, um, like, a Chevelle SS yeah. or something uh, in front of a diner. And I was like, that's like your quintessential, Throwback. yeah. It's like taking Baby Driver, but taking the server out of, of Baby Driver and making her awesome. the main character, which is great. feel that I got when yeah. I was looking through pictures of this is like very Baby Driver-esque. I found, I found a variant issue, which we should totally put up on our oh, page. I her shooting cop. so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. It's yeah, just like cop cars coming out of a gun barrel. Yeah. It's amazing. If you guys haven't figured it out by now, we look up a lot of pictures of like the, the pics we, that we do on yeah, our phones. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so he, uh, so I, I got it backwards. She has three days to pull off four heists. Okay. Um, but she runs into like, you know, crooked cops. She runs into mobs. She runs into serial killers and stuff like that. So it's just like a never ending. There's like one, one, a couple pages in there where there's like a high speed chase around like, you know, what, what the Grand Canyon would be where you have oh, these yeah. clips I'm some pictures and stuff. Right now. It, yeah. it was so cool. It reminded me of like Duel, like that okay. kind of thing. Yeah. And so it was just, it's just a rush. And the first, the first uh, graphic novel really sets everything up. Like, they don't really get into a lot of the story. Right. It's a lot of setup. But it was enough that I'm like, I need to get the second one. I need yeah. to keep reading this. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, so. no, I mean it looks it looks like it has that kind of like high adrenaline like enthusiasm that I see yeah. from Rick Remender a lot. That's that's how his Venom series was too, and that's how Low kind of feels. The Low's a little bit darker yeah. of of like his style, but it I, I love his action. His action feels less like it like the way he coordinates with his artists, it feels more like a moving like image than it does just like separate panels is how I always feel reading his stuff. I was going to mention that too because I think Rick Remender now that I've read some of his work and I've read Scott Snyder before they both write their comic books like you're watching a movie. Oh yeah. Like one Mm -hmm. panel will say one thing and then it'll finish on the next panel and it's exactly like you would see a cut in a film. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah they're great at what they do. I mean they're both they're very similar too when you bring them up. Mm -hmm. Snyder's Snyder's gotten a little bit more intergalactic lately but when he grounds himself they're very similar in how they write their stories. Yeah. yeah. But those are good. That's a good top five. Like, f- number five. Like number five. Yeah. yeah. Strong start. Yeah. All right. Going into uh, number four here. I'm, like, so tempted to switch this. Uh, <laughs> this is hard for me. These are all my number ones. We know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and go to number four, though, because I just want to talk about it. Uh, my number four is Preacher by okay. Garth Ennis. Uh, I adore adore preacher it is vulgar violent absolutely disgusting and it's amazing it everything i mean it starts with essentially like the story starts out with a church being blown up and this guy being like inhabited with this thing that escaped from heaven and my favorite is just like it's so witty and it's just it's weirdly comical for the type of story that it is. A lot of people are dying. A lot of people are just brutal. There's this one whole scene where an entire setup of cops gets just massacred. And it's oddly funny. It's just that kind of story. And even like when the thing escapes from heaven, there's just two angels standing in a hole. And he's just like, I think this is probably where he escaped. And it's just like this giant gaping hole in this <laughs> pipe in heaven. And it just, everything about the story is so interesting. And it's really interesting because it's kind of given like that superhero basis in a way where this guy gets powers, but the story doesn't focus on that at all. He uses these like weird abilities that he gets maybe like four or five times throughout an entire first issue, like first uh, compilation, which is huge, by the way. It's a big compilation, the first one. And he barely uses any of it. It's more about like people that are just kind of different in society. Like his friend is a vampire and which is a really funny, great bit. And his girlfriend is someone who he left, but he didn't want to leave. And it's like this whole story that it goes into. It's just, it's fascinating. And it also has to do with cults, which I love. So you love cults. huh? I do love cults. (laughs) I love, maybe I'll be in one one day just to see, maybe just like a six hour cult, like just go in like a vacation. Is that how cults work? I don't, I, don't, I don't think you can leave once you're yeah, in. Right. But. Oh, is that how that works? Yeah. Don't, don't tell him that. Yeah, no. Let him let him figure it out. <laughs> um, Preacher's actually one another one that you recommended me. Mm. It's sitting on my list of ones to read, but there's been so many others that I wanted to read like before it. Yeah. Um, too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, eventually I'm gonna end up getting into that one because I know it was like turned into a. AMC show. Well, so vaguely, right? It was turned into an AMC show, which I guess is going to end on its fourth season. I haven't actually watched the show, but the weird thing about that that I've heard is that the first season starts before the comic. 
which is really interesting. But I, I so it's weird because he's not going to have any of like the angel stuff going on because he's that doesn't make sense. Yeah. He's just a guy. He's, he's not even actually he's a, like a creature. Thing, he's yeah. he's like a fake preacher. Yeah, really. He's not. I mean, he's more just an alcoholic <laughs> and a dick. That's really what he is. But. It's really weird because the show starts out before all that, but I think it goes to show what kind of comic it is because the spiritual, supernatural part of that actually doesn't matter in terms of what the story is. So, yeah. But there's a show. Nice. Um, Preacher. Cool. I'm going to move into mine, which does feature somebody who has powers and it focuses on him using the powers. It's a comic book about a wizard who is bad and turns good when he comes to Earth. It's called Curse Words. Oh, yeah. Um, which was, I absolutely adore that comic. I love it so much. I'm hoping to pick up the next issue oh, because yeah. it was so good. Uh, Curse Words is a, uh, is a graphic novel, comic book, whatever, by uh, Charles Sewell and Ryan Brown. Um, mm-hmm. And so essentially what happens in this is he comes from another realm, um, like an underworld type of realm almost yes. where there's a bunch of like bad wizards and he they essentially go place to place and destroy the the life on that pla- on that like plane or that like reality or whatever and they terraform it and take it over. Okay. Well, when he gets there, he realizes how cool everything is in New York City and he falls in love with it and he turns into this like cool-looking hipster old man and like uses his powers for good. And is helping people. He's got three simple rules that he lives by. Um, but he's got a koala who is his daughter mm-hmm. uh, as his sidekick. Uh, yeah, That's a really weird. It's, thing. it's so good. But um, towards the tail end of the, like, you, they they start sending the other wizards from back at home to take him out because he failed his mission. So now, but he's also been like lost his wizard power. So he has to go and try to figure out how to siphon power from Earth. And so he uses wizard stuff. So it's it's really okay. cool. I love the way the art is. I love like the way that it's all drawn up and, and just like the whole story behind it. I love how kind of um, how kind of whimsical it is too in a way. It, it's dark but kind of whimsical because they throw in stuff like uh, when when he's out doing stuff, you see people's actual tweets. Like they actually have like they use Twitter in that world and like the tweets of like the koala and how they're like oh like team uh, yeah team like, Maggie I team think. Maggie yeah. or something like that yeah it's so good the way that they do it I love it's it it's such an interesting world and Charles Soule's great he's written for Star Wars comics he's written for uh, Wolverine he's Daredevil. written for Swamp Thing which was a huge one that he did yeah. um, he's just he's really interesting he's very sarcastic in the way he writes. So Curse Words was like a perfect passion project for him. And that one's done by Image. Um, for people that don't know, Image is all creator-owned stuff. Uh, they pr- they help publish creator-owned comics. So he still owns uh, Curse Words. But it, it is a really it's fun It's super comic. cool, It's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I, I'm, I absolutely love that. I love, like, his look. Oh, yeah. Too, you know, because he goes and gets that haircut, so he gets that, like slick back like with the sides all shaved down but he's got his long white flowing beard and it's just like hipster sunglasses it's so cool the first wizard that he fights is a jester which is crazy oh, yeah. he's like a jester looking guy and i don't know if you guys ever get a chance to like it's it's a real easy one to read because it kind of just starts and it just doesn't stop until you get to the end like it, it's kind of yeah you're making me want to read it i'm excited it's a lot of fun i i, I highly is, recommend it. it is truly like one of the most interesting comics out there yeah. It's so much fun. It really is. So I'm curious to see what else is in store for this because they've got some really interesting looking uh, 
looking wizards and stuff that they, oh, sent yeah. to, that they send to fight. Oh, yeah. I them. some of the pictures and it's really bizarre. <laughs> yeah. So, Curse Words, if you ever get the chance to, to check that one out. Um, Definitely do. I that. highly recommend that one. Yeah. Of course, all of mine on my list are probably going to be highly recommended by me, but... Yeah. Um, so, my number four is going to be another... So, most of the comics on my list are novels. Uh, I picked up from the library here. Yeah. And... Uh, liked them and so they made it onto my list. So some, a lot of these are going to be really new to me. There's a couple on there, I think, that um, I've read in the past. But this one's going to be one I got from the library. It's called Exorcisters. And, and I really enjoyed this book because it's like a punk rock supernatural. Okay. okay. So it's about two sisters. Uh, first of all, it was written by um, Ian Boothby, who did a bunch of like Simpsons comics and Scooby Doo comics before this, which is interesting because this is like demons and blood and guts and stuff like that. And okay. it's weird that he went from like Simpsons and Scooby Doo to this. I can already but, see like some of the supernatural parallels just with the two like sisters on the, yeah, the cover. It's yeah. great. So it's two sisters and basically they run like a demon fighting business. <laughs> and so people pay them to do this stuff. And then it's just, it's just a lot of fun, man. It's, it's crazy. There's demons. Like their mom comes back in the picture, just like the dad in Supernatural, and like it's there's other parts of the story that I don't really want to give yeah, away. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but you know, you can tell from the pictures. There's like a, a more straight laced one, and then there's a more like punk rock one that has like the band T-shirt and the guitar, and and uh, obviously the the edgier one is going to be like the Joan Jett type. Yeah. That's like... This gives me like such a... This is like you said, it's funny because you said he was a writer for Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. And this gives me a very... Um, the... Oh, what... That band that was in the Scooby-Doo movies that sing like Earth, Wind, Fire, and Air. I can't remember. They're like these goth girls. <laughs> oh, oh, my I God. I think I know I can't remember about. what... Yeah, just keep going. I'm, I'm going to look it up and see. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I don't... I don't really know what else to say to it. I don't want to give away too much of the, uh, of the story. The Hex Girls. The Hex Girls. Sorry, yes. Josh. Yeah, sorry, Josh. The, the Hex no, Girls no. are a band in Scooby-Doo. In a couple of the movies, they show up. And it just it looks so reminiscent. It's like you took, like, two of them and made them into, like, supernatural hunters. Um, they have a pet flame. <laughs> Okay. That they call fish, which is weird. It's like Calcifer from Hell's Moving <laughs> Castle, and they like feed it things, and it's just, it's just really bizarre. It's like they know their way around. They go, so there's one panel in there where they actually attend a court case in Hell. <laughs> oh, like nice. they open up a doorway because their client goes to hell and they need to go defend him in hell. <laughs> it's just like them. It's just really it's stuff like that. It's just really bizarre. It's a lot of fun. That's really It doesn't take itself seriously. Um, it looks like it might have gotten canceled, but I haven't gotten confirmation on the ad, which would be a bummer. But I mean, with things like Image Comics, you don't necessarily ever have cancellations because even if Image doesn't want to publish it anymore, they can take it to Boom or they can take it to Dark Horse. So they can always keep it going if they have the money and the fan base to keep it going. So that's kind of the nice thing about Image ones is there's always a possibility of continuation through whether it be Kickstarter or whatever a lot of times. Gotcha. Yeah. 
Good to know. Yeah. Number three. All right. So moving into number three here, I almost switched it just because it's been mentioned, but I still want to talk about it because um, it's a little bit more lighthearted than what I'm going to go into later. Uh, so I'm going to mention curse words again. Nice. Um, I also love curse words. I was quiet because it's you yeah, know, it was right yeah. after. Um, and I had trouble. It was almost where Preacher was, so that almost worked out. But uh, curse words is great. I, I met Charles Soule at Denver Comic Con like two years ago, and that's when I first got introduced to curse words as he was like promoting, promoting, promoting this passion project of his. And I went there with like my Swamp Thing comic books, and I left with curse words. So... <laughs> um, but I, I absolutely love it. I mean, it's just, it's so, it's so amazing. And you've got this villain who's very much like the big bad. Like, he's just this dude who's just connected to magic. And, like, he's literally, like, physically life force connected yeah. to magic, which is fascinating. And just the way the magical world interacts with this modern world, it's very grounded for a fantasy comic book. It's very, very grounded in a weird way. Um... Just the way Charles Soule builds the story, like it just makes you want to read more and more and more. And I still need to read volume two and three. I haven't read either yet, but it's volume one is just fantastic from start to finish. It's a really quick ride, and it's just a really fun one. Yeah, yeah. And now when you, you say more. big bad, you're talking about the main character. Talking about the main villain. Yeah, the, the main, main the main villain is like this like typical, almost to me in a way reminiscent of um, if you guys have ever seen it. What's it called? Uh, Tim Curry's performance is the devil, but I can't remember what film he's uh, in. Legend? Legend, yeah, yeah, with Tom Curry's and Tim Curry. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of that. Like, he's just, like, this larger-than-life villain yeah. who's, like, very enthusiastic and very charming in a weird way. Um, I very much love it, though. It, it's just such an interesting thing. It's a very classic trope on, like, your villain and, like, villain society oh, yeah. type of deal where you have, like, the, the head um, over, like, you know, I, I almost kind of... He reminds me a little bit of, like... What's his name from Inspector Gadget too? Oh yeah, like the... you never see, you never actually see him, but like he's always like sending, like minions. I don't want to go as far as to say minions out to like you know take out the yeah yeah. So like he's that's he's one the big version bad. of him. Yeah, yeah. he okay. he's he's really really fascinating. I mean, he and like himself is like the essence of magic yep. is essentially what he is, yep. which okay. makes him terrifying. But the funniest part about it is our main character. He uses magic better than the villain does <laughs> which is the funniest thing about it it's almost like a um like a hal jordan green lantern thing where he's like the best with the ring but everybody else has like all like way more power than he does just no one can take him down yeah. and that that's kind of what he feels like he's also just absolutely like ridiculous and rebellious and he doesn't want to be in that magical realm anymore no he doesn't because so he great. like what well, he braces the new york life and like gets oh, an yeah. office building and and people come in and, like, uh -huh. requests for him to do stuff. And I think his three roles are, like, no love, no war, and um, something else. There's one other role that he has. Yeah, he's... It, I mean, it's essentially, like, the genie thing. Like he'll just grant whatever wish they want, except for things that, like, harm other people, basically. But uh -huh. it's great. He also, he also turns a whole stadium full of people into, like, tiny <laughs> people, and he puts them in a bag. <laughs> Yeah, right. it's one of my favorite moments. Yeah. Like, yeah, he just like all these people see him, and he's like he has no other ideas other than to make them all tiny and put them in a bag, which is, which is so great. He looks like a cool grandpa who's also a biker. Oh, he's oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I love <laughs> yeah. the way he looks. It's just like it's I want to look like that when I get old. It's like <laughs> hipster Merlin from like. You know, that's, that's what he is. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, but curse words, read it if you haven't, and I mean it, it's just so good. 
It's especially if you love fantasy. Yeah. Go read it. I'm worried now because Cameron said I'm gonna do curse words because it's a lot more lighthearted than my next two. Yeah, so I'm right. scared of his, yeah, his I'm final two. Yeah, I'm a little two. nervous now too. Um, I'm gonna get PTSD from his last two choices. Actually, you know what? Mine's probably gonna be my my next pick is probably gonna be like the last lighthearted one on my list as well. Um, so this one is gonna be kind of an interesting pick. Um, so it's I'm gonna start. So the the, the comic book is is Adventure Zone. Is what it's called, and it's actually Josh. You probably have a little bit more like knowledge of it, um, but it's essentially what this comic book is. It's, it's a the graphic novel rendition of a podcast that uh, Josh actually introduced me to, um, called the Adventure Zone. Of this, it's the same name. Um, so essentially, what this one is, it's like their first story arc because it's three brothers and their dad who play D and D, and it's hilarious. It's so fun to listen to because. They most of them have no experience, and their dad has even less experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's just it's a it's a riot to listen to, and they took that and they made it into a visualization. I, and I like the way that they did it. It was fun. It was slightly different, and it like you could tell it wasn't word for word like the stuff that they said in the comic. Um, even some of the names were changed a little bit too. Is Taco in there? Yeah. Well, I mean, like yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, like the, the actual right. character names are the same, but okay. like they changed like. One of the uh, like one of the city names or something like that is like slightly different. Um, so it's it's done by a family uh, named the McElroys, and they have another podcast that got real popular called uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me. Yeah, um, that was their first one. Yeah, where they just I guess they just kind of talk. They do or whatever. Yeah, I've listened to that one too. And then they broke off and they made this D and D one, and they brought in their dad who used to be like a radio announcer. So he's already got like this persona. Yeah. Like they all, they all have this really good. They're all really likable. They're really relatable. They're fun. They're funny. They're great to listen to. Like he's a good DM. A he's descriptive. You know, all that stuff. Yeah. They make it really easy because I listened to this before I started playing D and D, and it really helped me get a grasp for like how D and D works. Yeah. Same here. Because he's really good at explaining everything and, and simplifying all yeah. the stuff. This this is a really interesting one because like I'm looking at it and it looks very much. So I, I love um, even though I haven't really ever been into D and D though I've actually been thinking about playing it recently with uh, like different groups of people because I'm finally starting to kind of wonder about it a little bit more um, but even before I actually was getting interested in it I've always loved visual versions of D&D yeah. like Futurama does a great episode where they oh, do I a visualization yeah, of it about. and Harmon Quest is what comes to mind when I yep. look at this is this is very Harmon Quest yeah. and, and I love those type of things I just think D&D is the perfect format to then turn into a visual representation it's like turning a book into a movie yeah. um, but this one looks really really fun I would recommend I would recommend doing both because I did I did actually thoroughly enjoy I've been keeping an eye out to see if the second one's been popping up here at the library. Um, the first one is Here There Be Goblins, which yeah, is like the first that. story yeah. arc. It's so funny. Um, and then the second one, which I'm really looking forward to, is Murder on the Rockport Limited, oh, yeah. um, which is essentially your classic like murder on a train, and they yeah. have to try to figure it out, but oh, they're yeah. a bunch of bumbling. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but there it like it's so much hilarity ensues yeah. when these guys like sit there and, and like get together on it. So I would recommend doing both, listening to the podcast and reading it. Yeah, it sounds like fun. Um, I don't remember what I was gonna say. All right, cool. Were you gonna say your number three pick? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that is what I was gonna say. Uh, my number three is gonna be a comic that I read a while back, and it. It's just right up my alley, everything that it's about. It's Peter Panzerfaust. Have you guys ever heard of Peter Panzerfaust? Maybe. So Peter no, Panzerfaust no. is Peter Pan in World War II. 
It's Peter Pan and the Lost Boys, and they're like, um, I think they're French Resistance or British Resistance, or they're French orphans, um, and they become like resistance fighters. So it's like Peter Pan and the Lost Boys rebelling against the Nazis, and they get in all these shenanigans. And they you know. how do you spell it? P A N Z E R F A U S T. Thank you for coming to the Spelling Bee podcast. Okay, wow, that's so. Peter is the older of the group. Obviously, he's the leader. Um, he actually rescues them, and then they come with him, and he's trying to take them to safety. And they get caught up with the French resistance, and they end up, you know, fighting back against the uh, the Nazi invasion. And I just think it's really interesting that it they took like such a uh, an interesting story, like with Peter Pan, yeah, and they put it in a World War II setting. And I thought I always thought that was fascinating. Um, the artwork is really cool. The the covers are really cool. One of them is like them uh, riding in like a, a Nazi yep. like wagon. Waving, the one I keep seeing is where he's standing on the tank. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and they actually did a uh, an animated episode. I think they only did one, but it was basically like an action comic. Like they had moving parts of the comic, but it wasn't animated per se. Um, but the voice of Peter was Elijah Wood. Oh, okay. so I thought that was, nice. I thought that was really cool. Um, and it's gone on for a while. I think they just ended it last year or the year before that. Um, but it had a really good run. It was really fun. I'm a big World War II buff, as you guys have heard numerous times on numerous episodes. So the fact that there was something centering around World War II... And Peter Pan's an interesting story to begin with. I, I just kind of well, gravitated towards it. Yeah, and Jay and Bar- um, Barry, who wrote Peter Pan and Wendy um, back in like 1904, before it became a stage play, uh, he based it on um, like around the events that basically became like World War One and stuff like that. Um, is the idea, or is at least what's thought? He was a military guy himself, so okay. it's been transposed into World War Two a couple times because there's. Um, I can't remember the name of it. They came out with a Peter Pan movie that was based on one of the other Rita novels. Um, and that's the one that had Hugh Jackman in it. And that one's based around World War II. Okay. And then they have um, Peter that? Pan Return to Neverland, the second Disney animated film. That one, Peter Pan comes back and it's World War II. Okay. So they, they have thrown it. They throw they always throw him into war, which is kind of what the whole idea is because, like, tons of children are orphaned and, like, all these terrible things are going on and there's, like, yeah. bombs outside and it's, like, escaping to this magical place where you can live forever and you don't have to worry about what's going on. You don't have to worry about the adults that are trying to murder you. Right. But this one does sound really interesting. The art's really cool. I was looking yeah. through the art. Yeah, I was, like, I was really kind of, that's what kind of got me interested a little bit. Yeah, the Hugh Jackman one was just called Pan. Yeah, it was based... I don't remember what the... It's based on a movie, though. Um, um, or, I mean, it's based on a book. It's based on a different book than the original. And I can't remember... This one says it's based on Peter Pan by J.M. Barry. But that's also Wikipedia, so take yeah. that with what you Yeah, know. with the grain of salt, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, cool. Peter Panzerfaust. Peter Panzerfaust. Panzerfaust was a weapon, actually. I know oh, really? That. Yeah, it was a, an anti-tank, like, bazooka. Okay. So I, just, I also thought that was interesting that they took 
Peter Pan. And, and, and like, it's a play on words, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow, that thing is intense, too. The more you know. <laughs> I cannot remember for the life of me what... Peter and the Starcatchers. That's what the newest Peter Hey, he remembered. <laughs> no, Google yeah. knows. Yeah. I found no, it. I, <laughs> I saw you. I'm pretty positive it. it's Peter and the Starcatchers um, by Dave Barry and Ridley Person. Number two. Um, but anyway, moving into our number two here and going into some darker territory. Great. In fact, probably going into one of the darkest anythings I've ever read in my life by the impeccable uh, Alan Moore is From Hell, which is one of the longest graphic novels I've also read in my life. For those who don't know, From Hell, uh, the title is based off of a note that was sent by Jack the Ripper, and that's what the story is based around. It's based around the idea that a doctor in that time was actually the Ripper. And going into it, I expected a mystery. It's not a mystery, that's not what it is. He basically tells you who he thinks uh, Jack the Ripper is. This is a really interesting one though, because Alan Moore, got really into mysticism looking at this um and he uh he got really into like cults and all that kind of stuff and he had basically developed his own theories after doing all this research on who jack the ripper actually was and he wrote this story based around that and it's a really fascinating story because half of it is from one perspective which is like the prostitutes and the killings and like the royalty that was around it at the time and then the other half is from the actual killer's perspective who we know who it is in the comic so it's that part's not a mystery you're just having to watch him commit these crimes mm -hmm. so it's a really really horrific book uh it's filled with vulgarity and violence and graphic nudity like it, it is definitely a vulgar book so if you don't like that kind of stuff not going to recommend reading it however <laughs> if you can look past that kind of stuff and if you love a like a good crime story this is one of the best ever written from hell is just absolutely amazing it's just incredible um it's all in black and white which is also another really interesting thing. I think most of it was because I did see some like skin colors. There are stuff in there, but that was about it though. So there are um, there's like one or two panels that people have done in color, but the actual graphic oh, novel itself it. is it's in black, black okay. and white. Um, it's a really really fascinating comic book, and there's moments that just kind of punch you in the face because you're really not ready for like how heartbreaking it is. And even though you know the story, you know these prostitutes are going to get murdered. You know yeah. every single one of them is because like I've done, I, I've watched tons of documentaries on Jack the Ripper. I've seen like tons of different books written about him and all that kind of stuff, but I've never seen anything like this. It is horrific. It's got to be. Well, you said you said gut punch. I was going to say it's got to be. It's got to. You have to have a sense of helplessness reading through this comic, yeah. like you said, knowing that this stuff is going down, you know yeah. it's coming, and you're just yeah. watching it unfold. Well, and even just to see how cold the actual killer is, he's not someone who's deranged. He's not someone who's completely losing his mind. He is kind of losing his mind, and like there's this really weird moment where he sees like the future, but it's brief, and it doesn't have a lot to do with the story, but it, it influences the rest of the way you see the world so much from that point on, because then you're really just wondering what's going on uh it is i mean truly just gut-wrenching and dark and brutal and i was so absorbed into it and anytime i started reading it i lost every like all sense of anything around me because you just get wrapped up in what's going on is it 
gory as well. Yeah. I mean, I know it's black and white, oh, yeah. but it's... It's gory. I mean, it's... it's He doesn't hold anything back. He and the artist, like, they, they do this comic right in the way that they're not afraid to... Like, they don't censor anything. There's not a single thing that's censored. I mean, there's graphic everything. And the only thing about it is it's, it took me a long time to read because, A, it's really long, and, B... <laughs> It's written in. It's written by a British guy in old English, yeah. Which is really, yeah. really hard to yeah, read. Yeah, it can be. It's. I mean, some like the dialogue feels perfect for what you would imagine the time is, mm-hmm. but it's. It doesn't make it any easier to read. So there's sometimes where like it'll take me like a minute to get through like a couple panels because I'm trying to figure out what the hell they're saying. So that does happen, but I don't think he should have done it any other way. I think it would have taken away if he had. He, he didn't dumb it down for audiences, and I love him for that. It was the same thing that I went through when I first started reading Hellblazer with Jamie Delano. Okay. Yeah, it's it's, it's like that times ten. Yeah. It's like if you took that and put it in the, you know, like the 1800s, that's that's the kind of language coming out of it. Yeah. It's very slang. It's a yeah, lot of slang. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of uneducated people. Like, that's how he's trying to make them out to be. Yeah. Um, and this, so a lot of this is also based around uh, like mysticism from a man named Aleister Crowley, who if you don't know who Aleister Crowley is, that's a fun trip down mysticism <laughs> lane. Uh, and it's also Aleister Crowley's like whole magic cult that I guess Alan Moore supposedly joined by reading all of this stuff uh, eventually. It's really fascinating though. I've gone on for a long time about it, but it's just really, really <laughs> that good. It truly is. Jim, pull us back from hell. Um, yeah, mine's not going to be as dark, but mine's still going to be pretty dark. Um, it's one per list. <laughs> one that, <laughs> it's one that I've been really into recently. I've never even actually watched a show, but it's The Boys. If anyone's heard about the Amazon show The Boys, um, it was a graphic novel first in the same vein, um, but it is, oh my God, it's such a great, I've already read through like the first three volumes of it. So the boys is really good, but I'm gonna say that it's a superhero comic. But it's not based off of the superhero stuff. It's it's more on the the team against the superheroes, and it's be, See, it's not. I disagree though, because what it essentially is is Billy Butcher is this guy who is he his team in this universe is the superhero team. So that's kind of the way you have to look at it is. It's actually still a superhero comic, but the superheroes in this world are actually just the villains, and the villains, technically, by society standards, are actually the heroes. So what you're seeing is you're seeing like they have costumes, they have very specific abilities, they use those abilities as a team. Yes. It's very much like a black suit Justice League. They do, but they... Uh, but like as far as like what I've read from the boys, like th- this, these guys are here to keep those superheroes in check because the superheroes are like the worst people in the world. Like they're garbage. They're mm-hmm. I don't want to say garbage human beings because they're not like human like you know straight human beings anymore. But they're awful, terrible, like gross, just people. And what the boys do is they don't use any sort of like really powers or anything throughout there because they there is something that get, they get injected because they are normal people that come into it and they get something that they get injected with Frenchie's in, not normal he's in like the, that, that's what you know what I'm saying they're like normal <laughs> in the sense of like they're like you and I like yeah. you know in terms of like you know if we were to hit somebody yeah. um, they get injected with this serum that gives them the ability to withstand a superhero if they ever get into a scuffle with them, which you do see that happen once. But what they're there for is to keep them in check to make sure that 
they're not going off the rails too much, that they're letting them know like, hey, there's people here. Because this is actually a government-run organization in a comic book. It's an actual, it's a secret government-run organization. Black ops, yeah. And, yeah, to keep yeah. these superheroes in line. Like, at one point, they do get into one of the uh, the smaller groups because they have, like, your feeder groups into the big seven. Um, and they get into into it with one of them, and one of the guys dies. And they're like, okay, like, that's fine because then that's showing the, this, this team that, hey, we're back. We're here. You know, you need to keep yourself in check. You know, yeah. but they don't ever use, I think that's the only instance that we actually see them use any sort of, like, the power that was given to them. Other than that, yeah. they do a lot of surveillance. They do a lot of, like, you know, just discussing stuff. They're, like, trying to unveil this big plan that's happening from, like, a super, like the supervillain standpoint. Um, so it's less about the superheroes and more about this team that's just trying to keep them in check. No, I see your point. I mean, it's definitely unconventional. Um, but I would still say it's a superhero comic. Just because of the way it's laid out, you what it is is it's a team of guys that are looking to do good for the rest of the world, taking out a team of people that are not doing good for the rest of the world. They're not taking them out though. It's a thing. But they're going after them. Yeah. Their their whole point is they're not taking them out physically, but their whole point is to take them down. They want the they want the seven brought down. So this was based Garth Ennis based it on uh, Justice League is what he based the original idea on. He actually wanted it in DC. He wanted Billy Butcher and his team of weirdos to go against uh, the Justice League. DC said, no way is that going to happen because you can't vilify the Justice League to the extent yeah. that the boys does it's, the Seven. Now, it, he still did bad. Justice League. Essentially, right? yeah. He, he, it's still the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I love the boys. I'm not going to say I don't love them. I, I adore the boys. It's one of my favorite comic books. But I do think it's a superhero story. I do think it's unconventional. Um, but I would still count it as that. Now, that said, I don't think the show is a superhero show. The show takes a different route, which is I interesting. Haven't watched, I haven't actually watched I the show. I just started watching it, and oh my god, is it one of the best shows ever made. Doesn't it, it is, make the Billy Butcher and them the bad guys in the show? Mm, no. I mean, they're still the same. Um, but it it takes a route of more of just like these very normal human beings. Whereas like the boys, I think, overdid it a little bit and makes it um garth ennis makes them a little bit more like heroes in in my in like my opinion because he gives them their own abilities they don't have like super abilities but neither does batman and he's still a hero i would say the only the only like ability in any way that you see from these guys so far from what i've seen in the first three that i've read is like just a super strength they well, have like the, the enhanced strength i'm not talking about superpowers oh, i'm talking it. about like batman's style of they have their own uh, like set of abilities like frenchie oh, is God, very good at like tracking and like killing people yeah and then you and have billy butcher who's like the leader and he's tactical and he can put people and together got, and his superpower is his dog who i love terror oh i love terror terror it's fantastic. terror yeah, is billy funny. butcher's superpower so i do agree like yeah. it's very unconventional and like that makes sense I do still think it's kind of a superhero story. I just don't think it fits what we were like, what we were bringing this in as like, like a non superhero comic. In my in my that's eyes. fair. You know I, mean, I mean, like I, it still fits in that mold of like this isn't like your conventional superhero type of thing. We're gonna put up a poll. I, no, I definitely want to put think. up a poll. Okay. Um, and I do recommend that if you since you love the comic, watch the show. I've been not the same to. thing. Yeah, I've it's been wanting to. It's not at all the same, um, but it's so good. It's a good thing we've it's had so enough good. to argue that this wasn't a good fit for this comic because now we're out of time and I don't have another pick. That's fine. So. No, I'm saying it's fine. It's on your list. I'm gonna say that it's still in my opinion. 
which we're going to have varying opinions here, which is fine. Yeah. I'm going to say that still, in my opinion, it's superhero, which is why it's not on my list. Yeah. Um, okay. I went with Preacher over that because Preacher is, to me, less. It's definitely not near as conventional. Yeah. Um, I still, that said, The Boys is not a conventional superhero comic. And if you don't like superhero comics, I would still say you would like The Boys as long as you're fine with the vulgarity. Yeah. Right? So yeah, I think just that's fine. It's very violent. It's very vulgar. It's very, yeah. you know, like, yeah, but, one of the first scenes we see the, the main character's, like, girlfriend get after they just first proclaim their love for each other get run over by like the speedster of the, the group and he's just sitting there holding her disembodied arm just watch the show because yeah. the way they do it is oh, yeah. so good I and, and I will the last thing I'll say here is one of my favorite descriptions in the comic is someone describes Billy Butcher like our main leader of the team they describe him as sounding like a young Michael Caine Carl Urban plays that character in the show, and the first thought I had is, man, he sounds like a young Michael King. Oh, that's like, funny, it's yeah. so, he does the accent beautifully. Um, yeah, great. It's great. So, yeah, the boy's fantastic. Comic it's so good. Nice. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit more lighthearted in a sense. The boy's is lighthearted. Uh, well, uh, well, so, okay, so You're I'm going to stay. Yeah, I was gonna I'm going to stay dark but silly. And I've talked to you guys about this before. My number two pick is going to be I Hate Fairyland. Mm. And so, okay. so I Hate Fairyland is a uh, black comedy fantasy comic from Scotty Young. Yeah. Who um, did other stuff. <laughs> I'm trying to see. Nice. I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he did uh, Human Torch, New X-Men... Um, he drew covers for Cable and Deadpool, Spider-Man, Dead, uh, Deadpool, Iron Man. So he's done a lot of Marvel work. Yeah. Um, this comic in particular is an image comic, and this follows Gertrude, who is a 10-year-old girl who falls into Fairyland, which is filled with candy and creatures and rainbows and, you know, everything happy. But she gets stuck there for 27 years. Oh, my God. And she never ages, which turns her into a violent sociopath. (laughs) And she's literally just looking for a way out. And all she does is murder things. And so she's looking for a way out. There's a queen of Fairyland. Her name is uh, Queen Claudia. And Queen Claudia continually sends things to kill Gertrude. But Gertrude always... She carries around an axe. And she yeah, just chops I, things you up. can see it in the like the front cover yeah, of it. It's, it's amazing. Fantastic. It's amazing. Um, I, I just want to say, and I I hate myself for this. I met Scotty Young at a Comic Con. Um, <laughs> you hate yourself for a second. I know, because what? I didn't yeah. know that I met Scotty Young. Oh, I didn't realize how much work like, he's actually done. Gotcha. But I think I actually have two of his illustrations at home that I bought from. Him. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> which is funny. I was waiting for you to finish that because you were like, I hate myself for meeting Scotty Young. Yeah, like, like, no, 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 for not meeting Scotty Young properly because I'm pretty positive <laughs> I've met him in Comic Con. Continue, that's fine. Um, I mean, so that's it. She has a she has a a, a sidekick named Larry. He's a bug. <laughs> so it's just really. Oh, and it tickled me so much. It's really bizarre and it's fun and it's all like tongue in cheek. It's gory, but it's colorful and it's childish. And it's. it's the art almost reminds me of like Wreck It Ralph for some reason. Yeah. In the way that she looks. So this looks like a very like R-rated Wreck It yeah, Ralph. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, it yeah. is. It's like I picked it up. I think I got a copy from uh um Free Comic Book Day because they were passing them out. Okay. And I picked it up and I was like, this is great. And then I went and picked up the trade and I read it. 
and I need to read more. But there's one point in the comic, I'm trying to find a picture of it, but I, I doubt I'm going to find a picture of it. So here's a picture of like the moon. The moon is like talking to her, taunting her or something like that. So she blows its brains out. Oh my god. <laughs> like she blows the moon's head off and there's just like brains and blood. It's almost like Rocco's Modern Life or something like that in the sense of like organs flying all over the place. And, yeah. Um, but you're in this like childlike setting. Um, but there's one point where she says something about wanting to see what she looks like because she's like a, a 38 year old woman now, right? She yeah. fell in when she was 10, she was there 27 years. Uh, so she's 37. Uh, and they show what she really looks like because she's only been eating candy for the last 27 years. She's like this giant gelatinous blob of a person. Yeah. <laughs> Which is... And I just thought that was hilarious, but like. In Fairyland, she's just this 10-year-old yeah. kid, and she never ages from Is Fairyland, kid. like, a figment of her imagination? Then? No, it's like an actual place Okay, that she goes into and she gets stuck in. I was like, because I'm curious to see how, like, if she's in the real world, like, big and, like, bulbous and stuff from eating all the candy, but, like, she's stuck in Fairyland. Now, it's, I'm, I guess I'm going to have to no, read it. No, this is, I mean... I'm just laughing because, like, the way Josh was like, no, it's an actual place. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Fairyland is real. It is real. It's right. real, goddammit. <laughs> you oh, cannot man. convince me to, otherwise. I'm going to have to read it. Um, I will let you borrow it. Um, what I was going to say is, I think I've only read through the first trade, the first volume, but there's no... She doesn't leave Fairyland. So as far as you know... She really fell into this place. Like Timmy Turner goes oh, yeah. into like the fairy world yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. She's she's physically in this place and she can't escape. So she's like no longer in the real world. She's just stuck in this physical plane of fairyland. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. Like I said, the, the cover shows her just holding a bloody axe on top of like a mushroom. And I would I would highly, highly With recommend chops it. in the mushroom head. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. All right, that was a good set of number twos. There, there's a yeah, lot right. of talking going yeah, on. Yeah, oh my god! And all three of them. It's a lot of dark. <laughs> it's a lot of dark. Yours is like faux happy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very, very happy it, tree it's friends esque. Like, it's like that thing with the, like you mentioned earlier with the cops being murdered, and you're like, yeah, it's fun, but it's, it's not yeah. fun. Yeah, or like how you want like you brought up like Fairly Odd Parents. It's like watching Fairly Odd Parents and like you're laughing until you realize that he's an abused child who has to have fairies Which, to yeah, make his life better. Yeah, I know we brought episode, up yeah. before. Yeah, <laughs> or if you're watching Fairly Odd Parents and he just like chops Cosmo's head off. Yeah, and you're just like. Oh my god. Or the best episode where Tom Sawyer comes out and tries to just kill everybody. That's <laughs> Which is so great. One of yeah. the best episodes. <laughs> Alright, moving into number one. It's not getting any brighter, at least for my pick. Uh, it's it's still pretty dark. This is one of my favorite writers, uh, Neil Gaiman. It is Sandman, is what I chose for my number one. Now, like I said... I thought you said Sandman was a superhero comic. So, I, was, I said... I was choosing it. No, no, I don't disagree it, like with the fact that I said it. No, okay. I you're gonna tear into me for the boys. The boys is more superhero. Than <laughs> but Sandman. he's gonna defend. What it right I now. said about Sandman was Sandman <laughs> is in a superhero universe. So okay. originally I wasn't going to include it, but I went back and looked at it, and really Sandman is not even remotely close to a superhero story because I've read 
seven volumes of Sandman plus a couple of random issues that he shows up in and I've seen him appear in the superhero world and in none of those stories are they superhero oriented at all. He's not even, he doesn't do anything heroic. He's not out to save anybody. He's not out to help anyone. He's literally out for himself and for his siblings, which are death and uh, like chaos and like all these different things. Um, so it, Sandman's story uh, starts out, it's, it's illustrated by Dave McKean, which is amazing. Um, and Sandman's story is, it basically starts with this cult is trying to capture, like summon and hold captive death because they want to control death. What they end up accidentally grabbing is Dream, who is what the Sandman is. He's the Dreaming. Um, And they hold him captive for a very long time. And because of this, people have trouble uh, having dreams for, like, the course of, like, 40 years that they're holding him. And he never ages. But meanwhile, the guy that originally captures him ages and just doesn't want to die. But now he's led to this whole thing that is just, like, it's just his full demise. Um... So then Sandman eventually gets out, and by the time he gets out, he realizes that his home, which is kind of like a version of, like, Hades, if you will, like, it's it's kind of like that idea of, like, this place where he lives and he controls and he has full control over everything that happens, but it's been kind of ransacked. Like, there's nothing there. He's lost his entire outfit, like, the things that he needs to control what he wants to control. So he, so the actual issue, so the comic is actually about him collecting things, which is how Neil Gaiman describes it, is he said he realized that this is just a character who just, he's trying to collect things. That's all it is. And it's a really brutal comic because of the way the world works in terms of like, he goes up against someone in hell, for instance. He goes down to hell to get one of his things, and he basically plays a game where, like, they have to one-up each other constantly. So he one-ups and one-ups and one-ups and one-ups until finally he can win, and he's battling against one of Lucifer's, like, prime demons at that point. Um, it, it's a really fascinating comic. The One of the biggest stories in there is a guy gets control of uh, this ability to, like, mind-control people, which Sandman has because he can control what you're thinking and what you're seeing. Um, and that's his whole point is he controls your dreams, right? Mm-hmm. And this guy uses this to just brutally mentally assault these people in this diner over the course of days. So he's just slowly, like, he's making them have sex with each other. He's making them attack each other. He's making them stab each other. Wow. It's brutal. It's extremely brutal. And the, one of the reasons why this isn't a superhero comic to me is because what he did is he took Dr. Destiny as the villain that actually is there. He took this villain and he puts him in a real world perspective. He just makes them him this guy who looks very, very old and who's just kind of mentally deranged. And it's no longer a villain at all. It's actually just a person who found like this magical amulet. So this is more along the lines of like, for instance, in terms of like, if you want to go into like normal comic books, this is more along the lines of a darker curse words than it is along the lines of like a superhero story, like okay. a Superman story. Like so the boys, just kidding. No. <laughs> the boys is still superhero. All right, this is different. So, so going into this, why it's also different though is leading into volume two. Volume two doesn't get any more super heroic. It literally just like one of the big stories, and I believe it's in volume two, is just the fact that he goes to talk to Lucifer, and Lucifer just decides to abandon hell. So Lucifer abandons hell, and he gives Sandman control of hell, and the reason why he does this is because then it makes Sandman's life a literal living hell, because everybody shows up in the dreaming wanting to get hell from him. So he's getting all these people that are trying to persuade him to give it to him, like Nordic gods, and uh, like his siblings are trying to get it to give it to him, and he brings in all these different mythologies, so it's more of a fantasy mythological tale that just happens to exist in the DC universe. Yeah. Which is what I think is really interesting about it. Huh. So that's my case for why it ended up... Because I know what I said originally, and that's what I was thinking, is I was thinking, 
it's in the superhero world, but it really, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And like I said, um, like before we started the podcast, Swamp Thing doesn't appear on my list because he has stories where he's a superhero. Sandman doesn't. He doesn't have a story where he's a hero. It just isn't how it works. Is he in the DC universe in the sense that like Superman is somewhere else? Yeah. He, crime. Uh, a couple issues in, he meets Constantine briefly. Okay. Yeah, that was one of the first characters Neil Gaiman wanted to throw in because Neil Gaiman always wanted to write Constantine, but Jamie Delano was on it at the time, gotcha. so he couldn't. Um, so they do meet each other briefly, but again, cool. it's it's nothing super heroic. It's the same Constantine thing we always see. Who I almost put that on my list, yeah. but I think that's even a little more into the superhero realm just because, again, he's worked with superhero teams like Justice League yeah. Dark, whereas, again, Sandman never works yeah. with any superhero teams. He shows up. The, the most heroic thing he's ever shown up in, as far as I know, is Dark Knight's Metal. Uh, uh, Scott Snyder brings him into that. Okay. But he doesn't have a heroic part in it at all. It's just one of those things where they need to talk to a god, basically. Okay. It's an interesting world. And if you've never read it, the first volume especially is one of the greatest comics ever written. And the second volume, it that's what the second volume goes into. Uh, it's the third volume where they go into selling health. The second volume is actually about a bunch of serial killers in a convention. It is terrifying. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's really weird. I don't know how I'm going to follow that. <laughs> I, need, yeah, I need a moment. Yeah, right? <laughs> I think Josh and I both like, looked at each other briefly and was like, wow. We need prayer. Uh, <laughs> Pray to say it, man. Uh, uh, let's not do that. Um, but instead, let's go to my number one. <laughs> Just which slap is me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> which is one I know both of you are not going to like. Uh, this isn't going to come su- to a surprise of either of you, mm. but my number one is Saga. Okay. Um, Saga was a comic book that I fell in love with right off the bat. Um, I space porn. Yeah. I still count it as space like, porn. It's yeah, not it's space porn. It's, it's no, got it's like really a couple not. sex scenes in it. I know. Yeah, it's that's, definitely like the least like sexualized like. I call it space porn because my wife reads it and all she's ever shown me every time there's nudity in it, she shows it to me. So that's all I've ever seen in Saga. I read the first, like, chapter. It's, it's That's like okay. calling Game of Thrones magic porn. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's magic nudity. <laughs> it's not magic nudity. Like There's no one that, naked. like, snaps their fingers yeah, and their clothes naked. come off. It's naked. That'd be uh, magic. Anyways. Go into it. Saga, <laughs> the, re- the reason why Saga came up on my number one is because this is, like, the comic book that kicked off my love and appreciation for this, this these types of comics that we're talking about now. It was the prelude to me reading Curse Words, to me reading, you know, Adventure Zone, to me reading all the other ones that came up on my list. Um, and I love, I'm, I'm a sucker for sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, I love sci-fi. I love, and this is exactly what I wanted in that. It's, it's what the, for anybody who doesn't know the story, it's two, it's essentially a warring planet and moon. Like, they're the races that live on both the planet and the moon, and they're at war with each other. Well, one of the like the operatives or something from the moon gets captured and imprisoned uh, and his guard, she falls in love with him. You know, they fall in love with each other. They have a child and, you know, the child is obviously a hybrid between the two and now they're on the run. So they're on the, like on an intergalactic run from like bounty hunters and um, like a prince uh, who's, who's after him. Who has a TV for a head? Yeah, he literally has a TV for a head. At one point, like it shows, like it comes up and it shows something, and it, it, it's really weird. But like it's, 
I I liked the way the art style was. I was able to you know appreciate everything that they were that they were showing. I'm like liking the characters as well too. Plus, I like the intergalactic like you know. It almost uh, reminds me of like a space Romeo and Juliet. Where it's like two warring factions, they fall in love and they're trying to escape. I mean, this is this is somewhat yeah, but it's, it's they never it's, are hunted down by assassins though. Yeah, or, or have, a never have a child. <laughs> I mean, they're both they're I like mean, fourteen and fifteen. All right, I get what you're saying though. Right. I get what you're saying though. Yes, in in the sense that like it's two very, different, very 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 broad. Yeah, <laughs> loosely based. Warring no, I mean, factions. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I so like a lot of the stuff. I agree. Like I love the art. I do like the art yeah. in Saga. Yeah. Um, I do like like sci-fi exploration, and I, I li- enjoy some of the characters that are in there. Just the imagination that goes into creating them. For some, it just I I tried reading it. I just can't get into the story though. I mean, I really I really can't for some reason. And I looked up uh, Brian K. Vaughn writes it, mm-hmm. um, and I actually looked up a lot of his stuff. And I've read a lot of his stuff. And as it turns out, I don't actually like a lot of his stuff. <laughs> it's not like I just heavily hate it or anything. Or like yeah. I loathe it. I just never get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's He's one of those writers, I guess, for some reason, I don't fall into his work. It's a weird thing. Because uh, I never realized that there's... I've, I've looked at a lot of his work. And I've just never really cared. Um, there's a lot of other writers that I prefer. Yeah. I guess. See, and that's... You know, and that's to be expected. Like, with this kind of stuff. It's also... This one's also an image comic. Um... But I mean, I just, I, I don't know, I just, I love the characters and everything. Yeah, Saga is one too. of the most successful, just behind Walking Dead, it's one of the most successful independent comics ever. Yeah. And it's been running since, what, 2012, 2013? Walking Dead? Uh, no, Saga has. I think Walking only Dead got... is these, like, top, like, independent comic. Yeah, I was like, I think Saga's so. only got, like, a few, oh no, 67, oh, it's 67 different comics. I think they only have a few volumes, though. Mm. Um, as far as I know, they've got I think seven, seven volumes. Seven volumes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, good. We all agreed on yeah. that at once. Yeah. <laughs> We're probably all wrong. Yeah. That's, I mean, well, I my wife like has six. six of them, yeah, so, I was say it was like, and I think there's a seventh one on now. Yeah. Um, it's seven or eight. It's up there. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a good amount. Yeah, I mean, so. Saga, for anyone who wants to maybe be interested in it, essentially what it is is, like Jim said, it's like it's it's a fantasy adventure, but it's like high fantasy, mm-hmm. which I'm not usually a huge fan of high fantasy. Um, that's usually like the over-the-top, kind of like very pretty fantasy. It's, again, like we talked about Legend. That's what that movie is, is it's high fantasy. And I, I have trouble getting into that. The sci-fi yeah. stuff was kind of cool. I don't know. It just it's she's got she's thing. got like almost like not butterfly wings, but like almost like bug type wings. He's like a goat type. Yeah, goat. he's got like goat horns. Goat horns. Like yeah. But, so like that's that's kind of like what you're imagining. But they're both like humanoid characters. So. Yeah. The weird comparison I'm gonna make here to like end this one out is that it reminds me a lot of Doom Patrol. And the way the world works, the way the characters are built, the kind of the the people they run into, the worlds they run into, it's very much like Doom Patrol, but I prefer the style of Doom Patrol a little bit more. Which is also not really a superhero comic. It's Doom Patrol is like a he just pulls out a jo- comic book. He's like, Josh just yeah, like pulled out like, a comic yeah, book. He just pulled out a copy of Saga. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to show you the first page you get to. Sorry, third page you get to. There's just like. Uh, yeah, she's because she's gonna breastfeeding. breastfeeding you have a child. Yeah. I understand that. And then you have to watch TV head having sex, which is weird. yeah, that was actually my, a little odd. My favorite part of the, the the whole series, I'll have to say, is Lion Cat. <laughs> yeah, Lion Cat is lying specifically. Like you're lying. lying cat. Yes, he's a cat who calls out people for lying. <laughs> Dude, he's he's one of the funniest characters because he's he just sits paired up with fire. somebody. <laughs> he's paired up with somebody who lies constantly. Like. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is even funnier. Yeah. So yeah, Saga so, is a weird one for yeah. me. Yeah, I I, I, re- I thoroughly a lot it. of people really yeah, enjoy it. It kicked off my love of like comic books again, like in this this style yeah. of fashion because I'm less of a mainstream superhero comic person and more of this type. So, all right, Josh. Sweet. Josh, can you follow that? I think so. <laughs> yeah, right. I think so. Although, my number one is a series that I realized was a limited series, and so it's only two volumes, and I was really bummed out about that uh-huh. because I really want to read more. Uh, it's a series called Lady Killer, and uh-huh. it's by yeah. Go to your phones, look it yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time, Jared Cameron yeah, yeah. like simultaneously <laughs> just went to their phone. Um, it's written by Joel Jones who did work on uh, Supergirl, Batman, and Catwoman, um, as well as Marvel, Marvel Comics. Um, It's a dark horse run. And what it is, is it's a uh, 50s style housewife, you know, a housewife in like the 50s, who is an assassin. So she goes out and she murders people, but then she comes home and like cooks dinner for her husband and her two kids. And it's like the it's like salt if salt was in like the fifties and she was a housewife. So I guess it's not like salt at all. But, <laughs> um, but your comparisons are on point today. Yes, yeah. but it's so cool. It's it's uh, it's bloody. It is very. Uh, it's yeah. It's it looks awesome. more like a Kill Bill in the fifties. Yeah, that's yeah, that's okay. kind of what I, yeah, yeah. This. It won an Eisner for best limited series in two thousand sixteen, which is yeah, extremely impressive. It's so. a lot of fun. She kind of reminds me of like Angelina Jolie or something like that. That's why I, I reference uh, Salt, because they make her look like this, uh, you know, generic '50s housewife. Yeah. Really, I get more of like a Charlize Theron with black hair vibe. Okay, that's totally yeah. What I, get I can see this. that too. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know her her kills are like over the top grotesque. She's like slitting people's chests open and like all the fun stuff. Choking. Yeah, yeah, you know, awesome. yeah, you know, it's awesome. stuff. I sat down and I read this in thirty minutes. That's how much I loved it, and I was like, I'm ready. I got volume two at home right now. I haven't read it yet because I had to read other stuff for my list. Yeah, uh, but it's sitting next to my couch, and as soon as I get home, I'm gonna pick it up because yeah, I love it. I love it. I think it's awesome. Um, That's really cool, isn't it? It's really interesting. It's just. The artwork is real, like scratchy and. and it's very. It reminds me of like a classic. It's very pretty and very bloody. Yeah. It's it's like if you took I Love Lucy mm-hmm. in color and then just put a bunch of blood and gore everywhere. It kind of reminds me of like the Archie style too. Yeah. Where it's like that I'm old. Say, I kind of got like a vintage comic type of feel from yeah. it. Like. So you yeah. say Archie? It I think Archer instead. Archer, yeah. Like I see yep. like a like yeah. that kind of classic, but yet modern in a yep. lot of ways. Yeah. Yep interesting and I don't know if it is 50s I have bumped the mic twice <laughs> uh, I don't know if it is 50s or not I assume that it is because it's everything is kind of that, um, that yeah style. it's like but I don't I don't remember if they specifically put a time on it which doesn't really matter but yeah, you get, like, yeah. a 40s, 50s style, like, vibe from it. But there's lots of cool covers where it's, like, uh, one of them is, like, a dead body in a trunk. It's, like, yep. an ad yep. for yep. stuff. Yep. It's, like, stylish for enough for ad. her, roomy enough for everyone yep, else. Yeah, I saw that one. Well, and, like, Joelle Jones' art is just always good. She did, she's done Batman and Catwoman, like, as you said. She's worked mm-hmm. on a lot of DC, and I've seen a lot of her art in DC. 
She also did Swamp Thing, apparently. That's interesting. Like, here's a panel I'll show Jim of her making tea next to a guy with a cleaver in his head. <laughs> where it's just... Yeah. I guess awesome. I'm a real big fan of the cover of her in the kitchen with blood splattered She's all over and a bloody, blood. Yeah, and a bloody bucket <laughs> and mop. Oh, man. She's doing... Joelle Jones, who illustrated this, is doing a Swamp Thing comic, which is one of my favorite characters, with one of my favorite writers, apparently, Tim Seeley. Oh, really? Who we were talking about before this podcast. Very um, cool. Yeah. That's really interesting. That is probably going to be very good. It releases next year. Nice. Keep an eye out for that. Cool. Also, yep. support females in the industry because yeah. comics industry is so full of dudes. Like, mm-hmm. it's so filled to um, the brim with them. <clears throat> Not that characters make a difference, but that was one reason why I chose three of the ones that I did Lady Killer, Death, Their Glory, and Exorcisters. Yeah. Is because they followed female. Yeah. It was more interesting to me to, to follow. You know, if it was Exor Brothers, first of all, it wouldn't work. Yeah, no. <laughs> the name wouldn't work, but it's just more It's more interesting. Well, that's one of the reasons, going back to my second pick, that's one of the reasons why I chose From Hell, too. Um, From Hell, I didn't go a lot into it, but like I said, it's gut-wrenching because you know they're going to die. Mm. But Alan Moore doesn't build them as victims. He builds them as individuals and, like, mm. these very strong female characters. It's actually a really interesting way to build up what most of people just look at as prostitutes who died. And mm. he doesn't really do that. He builds a story. He, he makes you care about them. And it's always good to have that, that diversity in yeah. comics. It's so important. Yeah. I think we should just end this, though, by saying uh, read comic books. Don't listen to what people have to say about them because there's, there's so much stories, more. Yeah. They just listen to a whole episode of what we think about comic books, and you just told them not to listen to what people think about comic books. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying don't listen to the people that say that all they are are bland superhero stories, yeah. and especially the people that say they're for kids. Uh, <laughs> like, I worked in a library for a brief period of time, and it was funny because I saw a kid one day, like probably no older than 10, his mom was like looking for comic books and she let him walk out with Watchmen in his hand, nice. which is not a kid's comic like, book. I think we had so, one comic book on, on our list that was a kid's. And yeah. it was <laughs> there, there's, there's definitely more adult comic books than yeah. there are kid comic books. I just think it's funny that people think that. Yeah. So. But read comic books, like support all these artists and writers and all these yeah. things that they're doing. We were having a discussion before we started recording and I said that I think uh, after reading the comics that I read and the graphic novels that I read, uh, part of me enjoys non-superhero comics more than superhero comics in, in its own way. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of so, where I was at too. Like I've, I've never been able to really get into like the Justice League Avengers. Like, you know, the, like any of those, like even what's like the Justice League Avengers. Yeah, oh, they're they're great. You should read them. <laughs> um, no, but like I can't really like read like, Batman like through like the individual like hero comics and stuff. Like it's just never really been like my thing. And I think I finally found like my foot in the uh, the comic world. I'm just thinking Justice League Avengers now. I know, yeah. like chicken <laughs> super. I, I was thinking like Super Iron and like Wonder America. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Yep, they're great. Oh Fantastic man, characters. fused together. <laughs> it was some more accident. The Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> the Avengers League. Yeah. Marvel, uh, DC, come talk to me. I got some ideas. <laughs> All right, we appreciate your yeah. your time in this uh, this mini We will see you next time. Until then, we've already done this. What we, what... <laughs> that's Josh. That's Jim. I'm Cameron. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. See you. Oh my god.